0: Bismillah Bismillah wa alhamdulillah wa salatu wa ala Rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa mam wala Asalaam wa alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh How's everybody doing? Alhamdulillah alhamdulillah. So today inshaAllah ta'ala we are going to cover Hadith number 35 in which the prophet says this is a Hadith mentions in Sahih muslim the prophet says La ta hasadu wa la tanajashu wa la tabagadu wa la tadadaru وَلَا يبيع بَعْضُكُمْ عَلَى بَيْعِ بَعْضٍ وَكُونُوا عِبَادَ اللَّهِ إِخْوَانًا المسلم أخو المسلم لا يظلمه ولا يخذله ولا يحقره التقوى هنا، ويشير إلى صدره ثلاث مرات بحسب امرئ من الشر أن يحقر أخاه المسلم كل المسلم على المسلم حرام دمه وماله وعرضه سبحان الله it's a beautiful hadith in which the Prophet says what? Don't be jealous of each other. Don't outbid each other just to raise the prices on each other. Don't hate each other. Don't abandon each other. Don't enter into a, a transaction when others have already entered into that transaction to, you know, try to uh, beat the person to it. And be, O servants of Allah, brothers. A Muslim is the brother of a Muslim. He neither oppresses Uh, He neither oppresses him, nor does he abandon him, nor does he belittle him. Piety is here, and then the Prophet pointed to his chest three times. Piety is here, taqwa is here. It is enough as an evil for a man, for a Muslim, that he should look down upon his Muslim brother. All of a Muslim is sacred to another Muslim, his blood, his wealth, and his honor. So this is the hadith. So let's go through it piece by piece, Inshallah, ta'ala. The first statement is what? Don't be jealous of one another. What is, why is jealousy such an evil? Well, because hasad, jealousy, and by the way, this is different than ghibta, we talked about this before, how ghibta is to be motivated by somebody else. Wow, that person's really strong, I wanna exercise too, I wanna be strong too. But you don't have any jealousy, like you don't wanna see that person fall apart. You're not not angry about it. Hasad is the type of evil jealousy where you wanna see them fail. You wanna take what they have, or sometimes you just wanna see them not have it, even if you don't have it either. And so essentially, hasad is something that's very evil, in which uh, the Prophet, uh, excuse me, Allah subhanahu wa Taala mentions أَمْ يَحْسُدُونَ النَّاسَ عَلَى مَا اللَّهُ من فضله? Or do they envy people for what Allah has given uh, uh, them of his bounties? In other words, to, to, to be angry at somebody else's possessions is to question Allah's qadr, is to question Allah's will. And to say, why did Allah bless that person with so, such and such? And this is such a, a, an evil. Why? Because you're questioning, ultimately, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is where, just how deep it goes. Furthermore, hasad is to assume that you deserve more than you've been given instead of being grateful for what you have. Right? Normally, you should say, listen, whatever I've been getting, given, whatever I got, I should be grateful for that, and whatever I didn't get, okay, that's, that's, my, that's my nasib, that's my, my portion in life. But instead, when you have this idea of entitlement that I deserve more, and therefore you're looking at others saying i know what they deserve and what they don't deserve this is clearly an entitled attitude an evil attitude and as if you uh, know better than allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this is not the right attitude to have and you should and you're clearly not focusing on what you do have and being you're not focusing on gratitude furthermore hasad is and pride the combination of both hasad and pride that's what drove iblis to disobey allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so you could say that it is the first evil Hasad is what many disbelievers feel towards believers. In fact, Allah Ta'ala says, That Allah says, Many of the people of the scripture wish that they could turn you back to disbelief after you have believed. Why? Out of envy from themselves. It's why do they want to change you from your deen? Because they're envious of what you have. When did they become envious? Allah says, after the truth has become clear to them. So once they realize that this deen makes sense, some people will embrace Islam, alhamdulillah. Others will just be angry and jealous. Why do they have something that unites them? Something that is so beautiful, something that makes so much sense. We're jealous and we're angry and we wish we could turn them away so we could feel better about ourselves. So everybody has to choose what path they're going to take. Hasad can make one person uh, 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 very uh, hypercritical of a leader. Let's say for example, if you know, uh, there are elections, mashallah, to uh, in this masjid, we're going to have a new board. the night But we don't have to look at this masjid, we can look at any masjid. We can look at any company for that matter, or any group of people. If one person is jealous of the leadership, let's say somebody gets put in a high position. Jealousy is so evil, why? Because it can make you hypercritical of that person. So now you start to pay attention to any tiny minor mistake. And you start to what? Zoom in on that and talk about that and backbite about that and make that the big deal. And now obviously every human being is going to have mistakes. When you're hypercritical about those things, when you only focus on the bad, guess what? You're just gonna chop every good leader down. No matter how good they are, instead of giving uh, you know, constructive criticism, you are what? Trying to destroy them. And this is, or you could say destructive cynicism. Huh, so it rhymes. Anyway, point being is that you have this evil about you. And so may Allah protect us of this, uh, and may Allah protect us of this community from having that attitude of, oh, we just want to take people down out of jealousy. You're saying, oh, it's for the sake of the benefit of the ummah, when in reality, it's just coming from what? A root of jealousy is extremely, extremely dangerous. The Prophet says what? Listen to this hadith, SubhanAllah, how powerful. abdin <laughs> al That the Prophet says in Sunnah al-Nasa'i, it's, a, it's an authentic hadith. Some say uh, sahih, some say hasan. Either way, it's authentic hadith. Two things that will never be coming together in one person's heart, in one slave of Allah's heart is what? Iman, faith, and hasad. This angry jealousy that you want to destroy other people. These two things are never gonna come together in one heart. So if you feel jealousy towards your brother, then know that there, there must be Iman that has been kicked out. And if you bring Iman into your heart, true faith into your heart, then the hasad is gonna go out, inshallah ta'ala. And this is why everybody's memorized, Alhamdulillah, al We say what? in شَعْرِي hasad. And we ask Allah, we take refuge in Allah from the evil of the envier when he envies. The next portion is what? وَلَا تَنَاجَشُ نَجَشَ means what? It means to outbid somebody without the intention of buying. So somebody says, I'll pay $100. You say, well, I'll pay $200 just to make the other guy say, I'll pay $300. You see? So you're just bidding with the person. Why? To make the price go up. Sometimes people do this, what? Just to show off. You know, they want to say, I have money too. I can go for $200. says, oh, I can go for $300. So well, that's one, one thing. Another reason why sometimes people do this is to make it more profitable for the seller. So behind the scenes, they're working with the seller. And they say, hey, you know, come to my, you know, my sale and say, I want, I want it, I want it. And then other people say, well, I want it for even more. And so just do that to, to, to uh, uh, inflate the price um, uh, in a fake way. So this is something that is very evil. The transaction is still valid from a fiqh perspective. Even if somebody does that, the transaction is still valid. But the person who uh, shot up the price, this person is considered a sinner. And Allah knows best. Then Allah says, what? Uh, excuse me, then the Prophet says, وَلَا تَبَعْغَضُوا And don't hate each other. Hatred. Don't have mutual hatred for one another. We know that the Prophet says what? That the Prophet says what? You will not enter paradise until you believe, and you will not be true believers until you have love for one another. This is the, the fruits of Iman. True Iman, when it settles in the heart, you're going to have some level of love for your brothers and sisters. It has to be there. You can't look at somebody who has La ilaha illallah, rasulullah in their heart. Somebody who worships Allah, and knows what the purpose of life is. Is striving for paradise and trying to stay away from the hellfire. Somebody who is worshiping and putting their forehead on the ground, praying to Allah in all humility. You can't look at that person and not have some level of love for that person if you are indeed a believer. So this is what the hadith says. So don't hate each other, rather you should have love for one another. And when it comes to marital relationships, the Prophet ﷺ says what? لا إن Kariha منها خلقا منها آخر that a believing man shouldn't hate a believing woman. This is referring to a man and a wife. If he dislikes one of her characteristics, he's gonna be pleased with another. In other words, there's a beautiful hadith reminding us that whether it be from the man to the woman or from the woman to the man, relationships were never gonna be 100%. There's always gonna be things that you like and other things that you dislike because we're all human beings and we all have flaws. The objective though is to focus on the good and try to promote the good and not just to focus on the negative. And so the Prophet is giving this beautiful advice that look, yeah, in your long life together, as a married couple, you're going to find things that you dislike in her or in him. Vice versa, it could also apply. In that process, what should you do? Okay, try to have some mercy, try to have some kindness, try to encourage them towards good. But at the end of the day, look at all the good things. There's probably, inshallah, many, many good things. Don't let the bad overshadow the good. The Prophet also says what? Anybody who loves for Allah's sake, and hates for Allah's sake, who gives for Allah's sake and withholds for Allah's sake will have perfected their faith. This is part of the perfection of faith to have love and hatred for that, love obviously for that which is good, hatred for that which is evil, to give for Allah's sake, withhold for Allah's sake and so on and so forth. There's a really interesting hadith that is mentioned, it's a, it's a narration from Umar Ibn al-Khattab when he uh, was the Khalifa, he made a speech and he said, nas, o people," and he went into detail about saying, in the time of the Prophet sometimes we would receive wahi in revelation, letting us know who were sincere and who were hypocrites. But nowadays, we don't know that stuff anymore. Why? Because there's no more wahi, because the Prophet has gone. So now we only have to, what does he say? He says, so therefore, we have a new way of judging. He says, sharran, <laughs> He says what? That he says, um, whoever among you shows us good conduct, we will think well of him and love him. And whoever among you shows us bad conduct, we will think badly of him and have hatred for him. And whatever is in your hearts is between you and your Lord. In other words, at the end of the day, we judge based on what is apparent. So I can't know what's in your heart, but if you do good, I'm going to love you for it. But if you do evil, then I'm going to have hatred for, uh, for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. not for the wrong reasons, not for selfish reasons, but because I love what is true and I love what is good and I love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and therefore the opposite of that, I'm going to have hatred for it and Allah knows best. Then the hadith continues. تَدَابْ do not abandon each other. You're not allowed to boycott somebody for more than three days for personal reasons. If somebody offended you, then you have three days to cool down. After that, the Prophet says what? Then you should say salam to that person, talk to that person, and try to reconcile with that person. And the best of you is the one who starts. The one who says salam first, the one who breaks the silence first, he's the better of the two. You only max three days. After that, it becomes sinful. And if you do it earlier than three days, that's even better. However, when it comes to boycotting somebody for the sake of Allah, then that can continue. For example, if you know somebody who is doing something very evil, well, let's say they're a drug dealer and whatever the case is. There's something very, very evil in life. And you say, I don't want to be around you until you fix your ways. And if that lasts a long time, then that's okay. You're allowed to abandon somebody for the sake of Allah to say, Listen, I cannot be around you and I cannot approve of your behavior. And I cannot be jovial and hanging out and you know, having a good time. I can't do that. Why? Because that would be tacitly or indirectly approving, approving of your behavior. So I'm going to stop hanging around you until you change. And Allah knows best. Then the hadith goes on to say, says what? Do not enter into a transaction after somebody else has already entered into a transaction over top of your brother. What does this mean? If somebody says, let's say me and uh, Dr. Muhammad, uh, he says to me, I'll sell you uh, uh, my laptop uh, for $100, right? And I say, oh, okay, I'll, I'll get you the $100 tomorrow and then you can give me the laptop tomorrow. I'll see you tomorrow in the masjid, inshaAllah. And then Brother Ziyad, he's, I'm oh, sorry, I'm making you the bad guy. Brother Ziyad comes up and says, I'll go for uh, 150 he knows that the transaction is done. We agreed to it, we walked away. I'm supposed to make the exchange tomorrow. He walks up and says, I'll go for 150. Or he comes up to me and says, I got a different laptop for $50 or $80. You know, I could, I, could, you know I, could, I could do better than him, right? So whether he's offering more money to the seller or he's offering a lower price to the buyer, regardless, once he knows that the transaction is done, he should not do this. And the Prophet also describes what? Naha Rasulullah That is from Abu Hurairah, it's authentic hadith in Bukhari Naha Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam libadin This is a part of the same concept is what? That a somebody who is living in the city shouldn't sell on behalf of a Bedouin. What is the explanation behind this hadith? So wallahu alam, sometimes people would go to a Bedouin who would come from out of town and would say, listen, give me all your goods and I'll sell on your behalf at a higher price. I'll make a little profit, I'll give you a profit. And the Prophet ﷺ was saying you shouldn't do this. Why? Because this is going to inflate the prices for the people of the city. Instead, let the person directly sell to minimize the middlemen. Minimize the amount of middlemen. Why? Because the more middlemen there are, the more graft there is, the more you, know, you, you, you stick in unnecessary uh, people, the more price it's going to go up. And on top of that, there's more chance to cheat people. Oh, I sold it for this much, but I tell them I actually sold it for less. So I can only give you a little amount so I can have a profit. So why not just say, listen, go directly to the supplier, and try to minimize the amount of middlemen that possible. Now, obviously, there are exceptions to this. If, for example, if you're dealing with overseas and trade and so on and so forth. But the, the minimum is best. Why? To uh, inflate prices as, as least as possible. And Allah knows best. And well, we, we talk about najasha, which means to, you know, uh, outbid somebody just for the sake of inflating the price. And don't outbid somebody, which we just described. And in, in addition to that, the Prophet ﷺ says in another hadith, Don't propose to a girl after your brother has already proposed. So if you, if you missed your chance, some guy went to some sister, sister, I'm interested in this and that. They said, Oh, yeah, you know what? Sure, I like you, you like me. The father agrees, everything is looking good. Okay, uh, the marriage is going to be in two months, whatever, let's say, right? Then the guy says, Oh, really? That guy got her? Oh man, I should have put myself out there. I, I thought she would never say yes to him. She said yes to him, she'd definitely say yes to me. So then he goes up and says, hey, I'm also interested. And now the girl's thinking, oh well, should I? I mean, you know, maybe this guy's got more wealth or maybe got more, I don't know, whatever the case is, right? So now you're creating fit now. You're creating hatred, you're creating competition when you knew it was a done deal. If the girl didn't say yes yet, and if the family wasn't agreed upon it, then okay, it's still, you know, open uh, for, for, for a discussion. But for you to know that the deal was a yes. They said yes. They're, they planned the wedding, and then you jump in and say, What about me? I'm even better. I can give a bigger mahr, let's say, I can give a d- bigger dowry. I'm I'm a better catch. I can get you a bigger house, whatever. This is just fitna. You're creating problems for no reason. This is not allowed. And then furthermore, the hadith continues. <laughs> That and one sister should not try to cause her co-wife to be divorced So that she could take what her, her, her you know, let's say the, the person is about to pass away And then, you know, for, to take her possessions In other words, you know, to not get her property And say, oh, you know, I want, you know, let's say uh, the inheritance money Or whatever the case is, just to try to get rid of her That you should not do this as well Let's say if there is a, a polygamous relationship Now, furthermore, when it comes to the issue of outbidding somebody The Hanafis and the Shafi'is, they say that if somebody comes up and says, hey, I'll pay 200 for that laptop, you know, I'll outbid him. They say that this is a valid transaction, but it is sinful. It is valid, but it's is sinful. Imam Ahmed, he says the whole, the, it's invalid. So if you said to me, I'll give it to you for hundred, and I said, okay, hundred, I'll see you tomorrow. And then he comes up and says, I'll give 200. Then that transaction, it was, it was void. It was not a valid transaction. That's the opinion of Imam Ahmed. And there's difference of opinion in that regard. Uh, we should always remember at the end of the day, when it comes to transactions, the ultimate sort of umbrella idea is what? That the Prophet says, rahimallahu rajulan, samhan ida wa ida wa ida Beautiful hadith. May Allah have mercy on him who is lenient when he is buying, when he is selling, and when he when he is demanding back his money. So subhanAllah, in all matters of dunya, when it comes to money. Uh, Of course, you're not a doormat that should be walked on and mistreated and, and scammed, obviously. But at the same time, you shouldn't be so tough that you cut relations with your brothers and sisters. That's not the objective. This sentence can be translated in two ways. It could be translated as, and be, O servants of Allah, brothers. So it's encouraging brotherhood. Or it could also, vice versa, be, and you should be servants of Allah, O my brothers, O brothers. So in both statements, it could be encouraging servitude to Allah, and it could be encouraging brotherhood. So both ways you take the statement, it's really quite a beautiful statement, and Allah knows best. Then the hadith continues: Al-Muslimu akhul Muslimi, la yizlamhu, wa la yakhdulhu, wa la That the Muslim is the brother of a Muslim. He should neither oppress him, nor abandon him, nor belittle him. You should not do these three things. So what does it mean to oppress him? Subhanallah. As a Muslim, you can't even oppress the disbeliever. Because you have to be fair, even with disbelievers, even somebody who's doing shirk with Allah and worshipping others than Allah, you have to be still fair with them and still be good with them. So imagine to your Muslim brother of doing oppression. Now, Rabbul we ask Allah to protect us from that. When it comes to desertion, abandoning somebody when they're in trouble, uh, uh, Allah says about this issue, about those believers who are living in the lands of disbelievers. Allah says, "Wa inistan saru, wa inistan sarukum an that And if they seek help of you for, for the sake of Allah, for the religion, then you must help them, except of course, if it's against the people that you have a treaty with. So Allah says, listen, if somebody seeks help for the sake of Allah, you have to help them. So this is a command from Allah Ta'ala. And furthermore, don't abandon your brothers even in dua. So this is something, if you don't remember anything else, please remember this one beautiful point. That even if it's for the sake of dua, Never abandon your brothers and sisters. Don't ever forget that even when we're making salah and we say what? At-tahiyyat. In the tahiyat, we're making dua for our brothers. What do we say? as alayna wa ala ibadillahi salihin Peace be upon us and upon all of the righteous slaves of Allah. So you are making dua, but we have to remember. Don't just say it like a habit. at wa Don't just say it as a habit. Say it in a way where you're thinking about what you're saying and remember that you're making dua and say, oh Allah, Send peace upon us and upon all the righteous slaves of Allah. And when you remember your brothers and sisters and don't abandon them, at least at the very least in du'a, and you make du'a for your brothers and sisters, what is the result of that? The Prophet says, "What lil mu'minina wal mu'minati kataba lahu bi kulli mu'minin wa mu'minatin akbar. Imagine this: that the Prophet says authentic hadith in Tabarani, and it is uh, considered hasan or hasan uh, by al albani Whoever seeks forgiveness for the believing men and women, then Allah will write down for him a hasana, a good deed for each and every single one of them. Imagine this, you say, Allahumma al muslimin wal muslimat al mu'minin wal mu'minat al ahya'i wal amwat. Let's say you make this simple dua. Oh Allah, forgive the Muslim men and women, the believers, men and women, and oh Allah, whether they're alive or dead, oh Allah, you know, uh, bless them, forgive them, so on and so forth. You, 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 you make dua for the believers. For every single mu'min that you just made dua for, you get a hasanah. How many believers has there been since the beginning of time, since Adam <laughs> <laughs> Countless, right? Number that we can't even imagine. So imagine you get hasanah for every single one of them. This is the importance of never abandoning your brother, even in the very least, when you make dua for them. So let's remember what we say in Salah. Assalamu wa ala ibadillah And let's say from our hearts, inshallah ta'ala, and be sincere in making dua for the believers. Then the Prophet goes on and says, what? At-taqwa ha That he said, taqwa, piety, God-consciousness, God-fearing, to be God-fearing, this is here. So the idea is what? Don't belittle your brother. You just said, don't belittle your brother. Why? Because you should never look down on them. Why? Because you don't know their level of taqwa. Taqwa is in here. It's not out here. It's not on the body. It's not on the face. It's not in the skin color. It's not in the age. It's not in any of these things. Taqwa is inside the heart and you can't see what's inside the heart. So the hadith flows beautifully to say, don't belittle your brother and remember, what? The taqwa is internal, not external. So at the end of the day, you never know if you might look down on somebody, that person might be better than you. And this is exactly what Allah says in Surah Hajarat, that Allah says, oh you who have believed, let not a people ridicule another people, perhaps they may be better than them. And don't let some women ridicule other women, perhaps they may be better than them as well. So at the end of the day, we don't know people's level of taqwa. Of course you can see people's deeds you can see you know you could generally have an idea of how much good they do but even then you don't know if they're doing it from a position of nifaq or ikhlas you don't know if there is hypocrisy or you, and you don't know if there is sincerity you can't level you can't gauge these things so even if you see somebody's a believer you you really don't know at the end of the day you say okay uh, you know i take him at, at what is apparent but at the end of the day allah is the judge and allah knows the hearts as the prophet says inna allah la yanzuru ila suwarikum وأموالكم The Prophet says, Sahih Muslim, Allah does not look at your forms and He doesn't look at your wealth, but He looks at your hearts and your deeds. So at the end of the day, what, what is, it, what matters is the deeds that you do, but also the sincerity behind it and the, the state of your heart. And Subhanallah, we know that Judgment Day is described as what Allah says what إذا وقعت ليس Allah says Talking about Judgment Day, that this inevitable event is going to occur and that there is no denying this inevitable event, then Allah says what? خَافِدَةٌ <laughs> That That day is what? A day that will, some people will be brought low and others will be brought high. The idea is what? Some people are honored in this dunya, in this world, they're honored so much and SubhanAllah, they deserve to be put low. Judgment Day, that's what takes place. And other people are put low, they're very humble and yet Allah's gonna raise them high. This is the day where things are going to switch for those who are unjustly exalted and for those who are humble and righteous. So, how should we think, how do we apply this? When you look at somebody who is younger, you say, they're younger, they're probably more innocent than me, right? They had less time in this life to make mistakes, they're probably more innocent than me. You see somebody that's older, what should you think? They must have more wisdom than me, they must have more experience than me. You see somebody who has less wealth than you, what do you say? They must have more patience than me. If they have less money, they must have more patience. If they're richer than you, you say, well, they must be more generous than me. Maybe they give more than me, and you know what? Maybe they can handle temptation better than me. Maybe that's why they have more money than me. Always assume the best. And if they're even non-Muslim, what should you say? If they convert, if they embrace Islam, subhanAllah, then their sins sins will be white clean. And me, maybe I'm very sinful, and maybe they're gonna be completely clean and have like the day they were born, completely uh, fresh and have no evil within them, subhanAllah. So there's always a way to look at somebody and assume the best and think that perhaps they are better than you, because who knows, maybe they are. And then the final portion of the hadith, is what, It is enough as an evil for a Muslim that he should look down upon his brother, his Muslim brother. All of the entirety of a Muslim is sacred to another Muslim, his blood, his wealth, and his honor. This is exactly what the Prophet conveyed and said in slightly different words in uh, In the farewell pilgrimage, when he gave his farewell sermon. When it comes to blood being uh, uh, something that is sacred, we know that the Prophet says what? That the extinction of the whole world is less significant before Allah than killing a single Muslim man. SubhanAllah, look at the weight. that, like Getting rid of this whole world, no big deal. But the death of a righteous person or the murder of a righteous person is so significant. SubhanAllah. Uh, I mean at the end of the day this world is only experienced by what individual people so every time a person dies That is a whole experience of this world one person's whole view one person's subjective experience of this world goes away So it's like the death of a world so subhanallah is very interesting way of looking at it Also the Prophet says what no and furthermore all of humanity came from one man, right? And we don't know if you kill one person before he had time who knows how many people could have come from that person in terms of children, grandchildren, and so on and so forth? So, by killing one person, you know the, the ayah in which Allah says killing one person is like killing all of humanity. Well, if you killed Adam, that would have been killing humanity. And you don't know, the person that you killed might have be, made a whole ummah. You have no idea. So, subhanAllah, it's very interesting uh, just if you think about it. Furthermore, the Prophet says what? <laughs> فينا, في that if the, and this is a hadith that is considered Sahih, authentic by Al-Albani But some people say that there might be some weakness in it But anyway, it's in Tirmidhi It's an interesting hadith If the inhabitants of the heavens and the inhabitants of the earth All took part in shedding the blood of a believer Then Allah would cast them all into the fire Like the division of that sin Would not be sufficient To lessen it Every, Now, of course, you can still make Tawbah From that evil But the, the, it seems that the strongest opinion Is that even if you make Tawbah You still have to be punished for some time you still have to be punished for some time. And inshallah, we don't know how long that is. That's obviously dependent on the person. But there has to be some punishment for you if you commit murder, because that's how bad it is. So you will taste the fire to some degree, and Allah knows best. There's different ayat and hadith to emphasize this, and to emphasize the hurma, the, the or the um, uh, uh, sacredness of, a, of, the, of the believer's blood and killing. Then when it comes to his wealth, we know that the Prophet says what? لَا إِلَّا بِطِيبِ نَفْسٍ مِنْهُ That the wealth of a Muslim person is not permissible except by pleasure or contentment of his soul. In other words, if you're ever going to get somebody's money, another believer's money, how should you do so? Make sure that they understand the transaction and are 100% happy with it. They know what's good about the car, they know what's bad about the car. They know what they're paying for, they know what they're missing out on. Make sure that you don't, you know, You know, you didn't mention the fact that, I don't know, uh, the brakes are a little bit bad or, uh, you know, the mileage is kind of high.